You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On SEC Football. He is Chris Landry, the expert. I'm Dave Hooker and cannot wait to uh, talk with Chris Landry throughout the year. Each weekday, Chris and I will be discussing SEC football. Certainly look forward to that. You'll also be able to listen to Locked On Big Ten football on the Locked On Network. So I'll tell you a little bit about Chris. Chris has been a talent evaluator. He has been a coach. He's done it all. And uh, Chris, if you'd like to tell the listeners a little something about you and and your background uh, when it comes to insight and knowledge, Chris delivers something you just can't get anywhere else. Well, first of all, it's just an honor to be with you, and I'm excited to talk to our fan base out there and the SEC fans, the Big Ten fans, and hopefully we can grow this. And um, is a place for people to go to get uh, in-depth information on SEC football. In the case of the Big Ten show, the Big Ten uh, football, where we'll take you every day into not only what's going on inside, but you know, give analysis from inside the film room. My background as a college coach at LSU and a recruiting coordinator back in the day. Went into the NFL and been in the NFL for over 30 years as a scout and as a coach. Worked for Bill Belichick and was on a staff with Nick Saban and ran the scouting combine and currently still do consulting work for NFL teams and college programs on coaching and scouting matters. So that's what we're going to do for you. We're going to provide some insight into your favorite teams uh, about the players, about the coaches, about the teams, about the schemes. That's what we're here for. So just buckle your seatbelt, and it's maybe our goal is to do it a little bit different, where we're going to get into recruiting and analyze what are you getting, and not just well this guy's a five star or four star, but what makes him that, and and uh, how the the roster is accumulating because there is no off season. There's a playing season, then there's a recruiting season. There's certainly a process of with spring practice, with the development of rosters, for goodness sakes, we've got college free agency with all the transfer portal and information, but getting a look at how players fit, don't fit, how things may play out. Uh, we're going to get folks ready for the football season. Then during the season, we're going to get them ready each week for every game. And it's going to be a whole lot of fun. So buckle your seatbelt, everybody. Dave and I are just excited to be with you. If you're an SEC fan, you'll definitely want to hear this podcast. If you're an Auburn fan, you want to hear this podcast. Kentucky, we're going to touch base on a lot of different schools right off the top. It'll be our big lead, and that's our take on the key news of the day involving the SEC. And let's start with Auburn. Uh, Gus Malzahn has uh, decided he's going to focus on uh, just two quarterbacks, Joey Gatewood and Bo Nix. It was a much more open competition before uh, he made that announcement about a week ago. Uh, your thoughts on these guys, and uh, could we see uh, Gus Malzahn actually start a freshman quarterback? Well, he's going to start a true freshman, or he's going to start a basically a young guy that's a that's a redshirt freshman. And you know, here's the thing: they've gone through the spring, and they've not eliminated Malik Willis and Court Sandberg, but. They've decided, rightly so, that you can only give so many reps to so many guys. And when you start splitting, splitting reps four ways, three ways, you really are not going to get enough reps for your ones and twos. Um, here's what it comes down to. They have never 
rolled out a true freshman starting quarterback. And it has been a long time since 2001 since they've started a redshirt freshman quarterback. Now, Bo Nix is highly touted, very interesting young prospect that's got a lot of arm talent, ability to work the football. We all know that, you know, um, Patrick's dad is he comes from that pedigree of, uh, of a former player there. Is he ready? Uh, I think that if you start a true freshman, what you're basically doing is you don't have anybody that you're comfortable with. Now, I can tell you that my gut feeling based upon spring film evaluation is that Gatewood is the more athletic guy, bigger guy. He does have a little more experience, albeit not a lot, that he's likely going to be the guy that's going to get the best chance or is certainly the has the, the advantage going into to fall practice. I would expect because he's built a little bit alike, okay, let's not get overly excited about the comparison. Cam Newton-like in terms of playmaking ability, I think he fits what they want to do. And that's how I think it's going to play out. And then we'll just see what Bo Nix can do and whether he can beat them out. They're going to have to get both of them ready to go, as we all know, Dave. you got to have at least two guys ready to go each week because your, your backup quarterback is your starter in the snap of a finger. Yeah, let's jump to the Commonwealth now, talk a little bit of Kentucky. Penn State transfer uh, quarterback Tommy Stevens is is out there. Kentucky, of course, has expectations high in football. I haven't said that in a long, long time, but uh, I'm, I'm certain they want to keep that rolling up there. And uh, I tell you what, with Mark Stoops, he's done a great job. But once you get those expectations up there, they're not coming back down, Chris. You know that. No, that's absolutely true. And listen, I think Tommy Stevens is an intriguing young quarterback that's got some experience. If you remember, he's only a three-star guy. And I use those. I'm not big. And on LandryFootball.com, we use a color-graded system. That kind of correlates. But people are familiar with five, four, three stars and what have you. He was a guy that was recruited – um, is a three-star guy out of Decatur Central High School in Indianapolis, Indiana, Michigan State, Indiana, and then Penn State. The, the presumptive thought is that he's going to end up at Mississippi State because Joel Moorhead, who coached him at Penn State, it makes the most sense. But he has visited Miami, Ohio. He has visited Illinois. Kentucky is making a strong push for him. Uh, of course, they uh, lost Gunnar Hulk. Um, in a transfer to Ohio State, going to be a backup there. So we'll see how this plays out. They're making a hard push for his services. And I think Tommy Stevens is a guy with enough background, enough practice reps, and enough work in a college system where he could have some early success. And this is college free agency now, and this is a guy that can – I don't want to say he's a true plug-and-play, but he's a guy that can have an impact. And I do think the the fact that they may have an opening – and a real shot at maybe you've got a better chance to start here is where Kentucky might have a little bit of an opportunity to beat or upset, if you will, Mississippi State, which, again, I think is the presumptive favorite to land his services. He's going to visit there this week, and uh, we'll see how that visit goes. And I would expect that that young man's going to have a decision pretty pretty soon. It's not a rush, obviously, but getting him in you know, on campus and getting them looking at some film is kind of what you want to do at this stage. Um, even if maybe getting him enrolled in summer semester is, uh, I think, what the, the goals are the schools want to have for Tommy Stevens. So that is our big lead. That's the news of the day. That's how we'll start every Locked on SEC podcast. Coming up, 
the film room. You don't want to miss that when Chris goes deep. Also, the scout spotlight as well. But let's get to a recruiting report. Actually, Chris, sometimes they call it in the South, Cruton. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so let's start right now with 2020 safety court Williams, an unofficial visit to uh, A&M last weekend. What do you think of uh, court with a K? He's from Bellflower, California. Obviously, that name has been pretty familiar because Clemson got a big-time quarterback uh, out of there. But this is a really young, outstanding talent. Uh, I, I think that A&M's got a really good chance. Uh, Texas, of course, is very big on them. Oregon, Oklahoma have really made a push for him this spring. But he's a top 50 overall prospect in the state of California for the 2020 cycle. He's a big-time athletic talent, 6 feet, 207, a lot of range, really comes down and defends the run well. But he's got a really good chance there, and the AM feels like they're in pretty good position. It would be a good get for them. So 2020 wide receiver Julian Fleming will take an official visit to Georgia uh, who just, man, Georgia continues to recruit just fantastic under Kirby Smart. That's no surprise. He'll be there May 31st. Uh, that'll be Fleming's second official visit. Uh, he, uh, for his first, a six foot three, 217 pounder, uh, checked out Alabama. Uh, some other schools involved could be Ohio State, uh, Clemson as well, Penn State. Uh, your thoughts on Julian Fleming? You know, he's a real impressive guy. I kind of made the comparison to Michael Thomas. And I'm not saying he's going to have as good a career, but he's built like Michael Thomas. Of course, with the Saints, former Ohio State Buckeye, he's a big guy that is, as you mentioned, 6'3", 217-ish with a frame to get even bigger. See him as a possession guy with some underrated speed. I think he's a top 10 overall prospect in the 2020 class. So it puts him near the top. And Georgia, Alabama's big in it. Ohio State, Clemson, there's no question that you mentioned. I think those are the favorites, but he's going to visit. Georgia uh, on uh, uh, Memorial Day weekend. I think the 31st is the official uh, visit. So we'll see. I think it's got a good chance to come down to an SEC battle between Alabama and Georgia. Mushin Muhammad uh, released his top eight. Texas A&M in play. Tennessee, Auburn, uh, a wide receiver that's gaining a, a, an awful lot of interest. Yeah, and Texas A&M as well is going to get a visit. I'm getting old because I remember scouting his dad coming out to Michigan State years ago. He's a big, good-looking kid, a lot like his dad. Uh, he is one of the top, you know, uh, 125, 150 overall players in the 2020 class. He's also going to visit Michigan State where his dad went. You mentioned Auburn, you mentioned Tennessee. Outside of the SEC blueprint, uh, North Carolina, North Carolina State, Moosen, his dad, played with the Panthers. So he kind of grew up in that Carolina area. So there's some interest there, and that kind of leads to the Tennessee interest. But AM has certainly been high on him. Oregon, uh, and, and again, Michigan State. But I think it's likely going to come down to probably A&M and uh, maybe, uh, maybe Tennessee can get involved in it. But I do think that A&M uh, is in strong play at this point. You wonder, too, though, with commitments and visits and interests, they tend to change a little bit because some schools get off of some players and get on to them. So it could, it could be some other schools coming involved. But A&M is – in pretty good laid the groundwork pretty well for him so we'll see uh the the aggies are in pretty good shape and are challenging very hard for him 
I wasn't going to mention the dad angle because it made me look uh, old as well. But, uh, yeah, I do remember his dad uh, very vividly. Um, uncommitted four-star 2021 wide receiver Joshua Burrell uh, said that he'd like to take visits to West Virginia, Louisville, and Tennessee. That's an intriguing trio to me. Yeah, it is. Of course, um, he's had a lot of interest in the ACC areas and Virginia Tech and Duke and Wake Forest. He's a good-looking player. Uh, he's from uh, Blightwood, South Carolina, and I think he's a, he's a really good prospect because it's early. Again, you're seeing those schools having an interest, but let's just call it like it is. I think as this kid's developed, remember, 2021 class, I think as this kid develops, with all due respect to Duke and Wake Forest, I think there'll be some bigger-time programs will come in, make some offers. This is what you have to do, quite frankly, if you're at a Louisville, if you're at a Duke, you're at a Wake Forest, and to some degree out of Virginia Tech. You have to be there with the first uh, with the first offers, and you develop that relationship. The only chance you got is maybe a longer-term relationship with them. But I think he ends up probably at a bigger-time school. Of the schools, Tennessee is the biggest school that's made the earliest um, impact. So we'll see if they can hold on and hold off some of the big boys that uh, other big boys outside of Tennessee, because I do think that of the three schools, Tennessee, Louisville, West Virginia, I think that they're definitely the Vols would be the favorite at this early stage. Let's go to the film room. South Carolina's defensive line. Um, South Carolina over the years has had trouble keeping some of those uh, defensive linemen uh, nearby and I know Tennessee certainly was one of the teams that has done incredibly well recruiting there and I guess the first question I would ask with Clemson there as well the most recent uh, rival that's uh, in recruiting I want to know what you think of South Carolina's defensive line from a talent perspective are they up to snuff with the SEC heavyweights you know they are they're pretty good um, and they've got pretty solid depth but um, it is one of the strengths of their team and where I think they're going to have to really, uh, particularly against that schedule, kind of hold up over the long haul. And one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about them is breaking down tape. And I've got the complete report on LandryFootball.com of every position, South Carolina. They've got some flexibility there on the defensive line. Um, it, you know, really start at defensive tackle. Javon Kinlaw's really lengthy, flexible, well-coordinated athlete. He's still developing as a football player. He grew up mainly as a basketball guy, but he carries his weight well, displays good balance, really good feet in the trenches, can step over trash. Um, this guy's got next-level potential, and he's got a lot of ability. He's going to be lined up next to Rick Sandridge, who's got good size, athletic combination, really good versatility as well. He gets off the ball well. He's got another good length and power. Um, I, I think that they've recruited very well and they begin to develop well. Kingsley Ingebear and Brad Johnson provide some ability at defensive end, and I think there is some flexibility with the way D.J. Wonham has played. Um, and I think that you're going to see with he and um, when he when uh, he and Brian Allen Williams were both healthy, they had a pretty good. Um, a rotation. Now, one of them is going to play that buck end position, which is a stand-up rush guy, but I think they'll play him down some as well at the other end position. And Ingebear, who I mentioned, is a really talented guy, not as polished, but he's the third option at defensive end, and I think he has 
a lot of ability. He played mostly at tackle as a freshman, but he's being shifted outside this offseason. And I think this is a pretty good group. And uh, can they hold up depth-wise through the course of an SEC season? Going to be interesting to see. But this is where they're going to have to really show up Will Muschamp's recruiting because – their their schedule is as difficult as possible. I keep looking at them, and I, I think that if they win eight games, put me down for Will Muschamp as coach of the year. And that 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 the schedule because they play everybody tough. In addition to playing a tough conference schedule where they got to line up and play Georgia, of course, but they got to line up and play Clemson as well. It's it's going to be a it's going to be a bear for them to try to deal through this this schedule. And for them to do it, they're going to have to do it with their defense and their running game. But defensively, these are the guys that stand up and look pretty good for the for the Gamecocks heading into the season. Scout Spotlight is next, and I love what you did here because uh, you took this from a unique angle. We always hear that in the draft, uh, more three stars went than anybody else, which is true because there are more three stars from the recruiting uh, process. But what you did, you compared – uh, the the commitments, the four- and five-star guys with NFL draft picks, and it was who did the best job of developing players. And I think there are some names on the list that are, are pretty surprising when I read it. Yeah, you know, you think about, first of all, the best de- developmental programs are the ones that get good players and develop them. So this is not to say that Alabama and Clemson are the, not the best at developing players, because they are. They just develop better players, and that's why you recruit better players and you develop them, and they're walking across the stage. You're first-round picks. They're playing for national championships. That's why they are what they are. Oklahoma has all members of their offensive line get drafted except one guy who's coming back at center. Uh, That's why they're good. But there are other programs that take what I would consider maybe the two- and three-star guys and get the most draft picks out of it and the, the 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 program that's done the best, and I've taken the recruiting rankings and the picks, and and I put a percentage or a a, a plus ratio, and Utah's come out the best um, outside of the SEC. Utah does a great job developing players. Kyle Winningham is staff Boston College. I mean, two three linemen every year. They don't recruit four and five star linemen. Iowa, we know what they do in the Big Ten as well as Wisconsin lineman galore two tight ends in the first round this year from iowa safety that's really good wisconsin they get an occasional four-star running back but they develop all those great offensive linemen uh, a, a school that does a good job north carolina state has done a very good job developing colorado's done a good job chris peterson since being at washington has done a good job miami didn't we think of miami as the school that got the best talent They've actually done a good job with some guys, developing guys. They're just not getting as much talent as they used to. TCU, Gary Patterson's done a good job. Oklahoma has recruited not only top players, but they've developed good players as well. But the program in the SEC that surprisingly has done the best job, I'd say it's surprising maybe to some, it's been Florida. They don't recruit to the level of Georgia or have it under Dan Mullen. But they've done a pretty nice job. Now, this goes on to the previous staff as well, but I think it says a lot about what Dan and his staff has done, developing certain guys off this roster that some of them were recruited highly, some of them not as much, but they've developed them. And I've always said I think the the variable for Dan Mullen to get Florida where Georgia is 
is his recruiting because from a developmental standpoint, he is top-notch. And while he hasn't been there long, I thought he had great impact on this year's draft class at Florida because some of those guys didn't head in last year at this time as being as high level of prospects as they did coming out. So I thought that would be interesting is some folks that have done a really good job nationally. And uh, certainly there are a lot of programs. Look at what Kentucky did. Mark Stoops done a great job. Overall numbers, it doesn't match up. Doesn't mean that they're not really good. Um, We've seen South Carolina, aforementioned South Carolina, do some good things. Vanderbilt gets a couple of good, got a corner that's drafted high. They just don't have the overall numbers. But those are some of the programs that have done a really good job developing, along with some others in the SEC. There's no doubt that the corridor in the SEC produces the most amount of uh, college-level, upper-level college recruits. And therefore, they also develop the most uh, amount of draft prospects. There's no secret to it. That's where the players are, and the coaching staffs and the programs develop them very well. It's so interesting because Florida's been able to rely on elite talent from a recruiting standpoint and to see dan mullen take that player development from mississippi or from uh, yeah, mississippi state and uh, then be able to take that to florida i wondered how he would approach that very interesting it is uh, again uh, it is the locked on sec football podcast he is chris landry i'm dave hooker we ran down a lot of teams we'll do the same thing tomorrow we'll talk to you then have a fantastic day everyone